talking about chicken a la king. Mango and garbanzo tabbouleh. Real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil. Zucchini ziti. Granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, a food podcast where I interview a lot of extraordinary people with extraordinary minds, but all I care about is what's in their belly. I am your host, Dan Adute, and I'm very excited about my guest today. Uh, he's an amazing writer of both big screen and small. He wrote the movies Hot Tub Time Machine 1 and 2 and is one of the creators of the hit YouTube premium show, Cobra Kai, not YouTube Red. Not you, no longer YouTube Red. It used to be YouTube Red, but too many people thought that was RedTube. Now it's of, YouTube Premium. A lot of uncomfortable conversations YouTube with family pre- members. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you writing for? I checked out that RedTube and I couldn't find the show. Amazing content. Spent 12 hours looking for it. More importantly than all of his accomplishments, Josh is one of my favorite dinner partners. Very uh, fun to eat with. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, uh, I believe I've tried Gizzard for the first time with you and various necks of chickens that I'd never experienced before, that yakitori place yes, we went to that time. Yes, that was at Nambon Khan, which is in Westwood, one of my favorite restaurants. It's a yakitori place, yakitori. For those of you who don't know, it's like Japanese kebab. It's like going to a chicken restaurant and not eating chicken, but you eat every other part of the chicken. It's like, oh, you got to try the beak or yeah. the chicken's toenail is actually a delicacy in parts of this region of China that nobody has heard of. You but, know, it's uh, funny. It's, <laughs> it was interesting. It's funny. I like every. I, I have very few foods that I'm like, oh, I can't eat that. One of them is a yakitori thing, which I don't know if you remember. I, I don't know if we ordered it, but it's called soft knee bone. I don't think we had that. It's soft knee bone, <laughs> which sounds so gross. Yeah. But it's basically that thing that when you're eating chicken... You get it in your mouth, and you're like, oh, fuck. And I want this out of my out. mouth. And like, where's the napkin? I don't care how fancy the napkin is. It's going inside of the napkin. But I do love yakitori more than anything. I, honestly, I think as of late, since, I'm, since I can cook, when I go out to eat, I only want shit that I can't make at home. That's the thing. Once you get creative in your own kitchen, you're like, I know how to do half this stuff. I know exactly I want how much this costs. It's three or, times more expensive. Or I want something that's such a pain in the ass to make at home that it's somebody else's pain in the ass tonight. Yeah. Like, you do the risotto and fold it and don't ruin it. You do the I want the, the I want the souffle and I don't want to have to fret over it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's start off by looking at what is in your fridge. Uh-oh. Which you sent me a picture of. This is your fridge from home. My wife is horrified. <laughs> is she actually? Because your fridge looks really good. Well, this is this is fairly normal and accurate in terms of the level of mess and spoiled food to non-spoiled food that might be in there. Okay. Um, our milk situation. Yeah, you have so much milk. I'm seeing three gallons of milk. This is the least amount of milk that's ever been in my fridge. We, is that true? At any given time, first of all, I don't like these gallons because the gallons expire before the half gallons in the cardboard. So I don't buy these plastic gallons if I can avoid it. Um, if you go and buy organic milk, first of all, I should mention I have three children who drink the amount yeah. of milk that like a litter of piglets uh, drink. I assume a litter is the the word for a group of piglets, like a herd. We'll find out what it is. A, a murder we'll, of piglets. I'll put it in post. I will, I will do your ADR. <laughs> Fantastic. What I like to do uh, on that second shelf is usually fill half of it with nine half-gallon containers of milk, the organic Costco milk because I don't know if you know this about the organic Costco milk, but it doesn't expire for like months, which is scary, but also reassuring that I don't have to go back to Costco to get the milk again for a while. I didn't know that. And I, I, I always get creeped out when milk lasts very long. Cause there's there, I get, I get my milk from Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. Yeah, so Trader Valley, Joe's shit you know, is bad. Uh, no, I just get the, I get the brand, like the I get their just brand. The, the pedestrian, like 365. Fuck you. Your fridge is full of Kirkland. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, no, this is, my uh, my father-in-law was asked to pick up the milk this time, and um, I believe uh, we didn't give a lot of instruction, and we're, we're grateful to have the milk because our children were fed the milk. But, also, uh, he just got basic Kirkland but this, this hormony created, milk. Well, this created a lot of stress because this milk expired in three weeks, and we're used to having a couple of months. So it's been mainly a milk diet for the kids. Um, you know, right? <laughs> lunch is a smoothie, and dinner is just uh, just a handful of milk. Is is feeding? I I think feeding myself is a, is enough of a challenge with fucking with three kids. <laughs> yeah. 
And I'm sure, I don't know, are they are they annoying the way they eat? Do they have dietary restrictions? Do they hate stuff that... They like things intensely, and they dislike things intensely that they've never eaten. They know they like about five things, and four of them are chocolate chip pancakes. And they know they dislike anything they've never seen before at the moment it's put in front of them or even talked about. So trying new things is usually just... This is going to be for me. I'm going to spend 35 minutes cooking something delicious and interesting and layered with tastes and textures that is purely an exercise to put food on a plate and then to put that plate in the garbage. Right. And the in-between time is filled with protest and tears and threats of how much needs to be eaten in order to move on from this moment. Uh, and eventually resignation on both sides that this meal did not go as planned and eventually a peanut butter and jelly sandwich may or may not uh, materialize. Are you but, being funny or this is like no, for this real? No, is, this is for real. I mean, oh. we, my wife and I have a very, uh, a policy of you're going to eat what's in front of you and or that's going to be it because at the end of the day, like my kids are not, you know, running the show. two months old. Like they're right. not going to starve to death. Like they right. eat plenty and if they don't want to eat the chicken and the vegetables and the you know whatever the the nine gallons of milk that are in front of them, yeah, then then that's it. This is dinner because if we give them too many options, they will always just you know kick and moan until you get to the you know the ice cream that they want in the first place. So yeah, um, and sometimes and you you celebrate the little victories. Last night I made frozen broccoli you know with with some Parmesan cheese and butter and I I, you, I dressed it up as much as I could. One of my kids ate it, you know, one of them didn't, and one of them's a baby, and she was given something else. But um, you keep trying. It's You yeah. go out there going like, all right, we're going to lose. We're going to lose this battle. <laughs> the kale's not going to happen, but we're going to put it out there, and we're going to feel good about what we made. And it's going to be in the trash. It, do you sell it really hard? Oh, I Like you're pitching a show? <laughs> I'm talking about these vegetables like they were delivered by the candy machine. I'm like, I am making you guys the best vegetable tonight with cheese, cheesy broccoli. It's cheesy fun. Oh, look, the bag says cheesy fun broccoli. You know, one of my, <laughs> one of my boys can't read yet, so I can, I can sell that. Um, the other one's onto me. Um, but oh yeah, I mean, I've, we, you just try everything as a parent. You chop yeah. up the spinach really, really fine and you work it into the eggs and they look at them suspicious. You know, yeah. why are these eggs green today? I don't know. The pan was a green pan. It's green day. <laughs> it's St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Kids don't know what day it is usually and what month it is. So you could sell anything as a holiday or as a special moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, you find the things they like and you like, like when you're writing for an audience, you write to that. Like I know my kids will eat an avocado. So there's a lot of avocados in my house at any given time. Right. Um, I know they don't like string beans, but every now and then I'm in the mood to be punished. So I make string beans and I watch that train wreck happen. Right, 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 right. And I have a tough time shopping for one person because like I, I have a lot of food that goes bad in my fridge because I go to the supermarket and I love so much stuff and I'm fucking only cooking for myself basically. Um, I remember, <laughs> I think the other night you were telling me about when you used to go to supermarkets when you were single? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that was the best. I lived next to the Beverly Connection uh, in Los Angeles, used to have a Ralph's on the ground floor level. And I lived around the corner on Croft, which was just far enough that I would, just close enough that I would feel bad about driving. Because I don't feel bad about driving anywhere. I live in a driving city, I will drive, but it was less than a half a block away. Right. So I didn't have anything. If you took a picture of my refrigerator, during that period of time in my life, there was maybe a condiment or two in there, but my meal-to-meal -meal existence was like, let's walk over to the Ralphs and see what's for lunch. And I would buy just as much food as I needed to make it to the next meal. And it was great, but it was also, I had a weird relationship with like the guy at the checkout stand who was like, really, you're getting like a quarter pound of American cheese again? Just buy like three pounds and you don't have to come here. You for... probably thought you liked them. What? I, I <laughs> probably thought I was looking for like an excuse to come to the, I was really just like, I just want, I've, I'll never live closer to a supermarket. I'll never have this much free time on my hands again as yeah. a guy at the time without a wife and kids. And I was I was self-aware about that where I was, I was, I knew they have better refrigerators than me. They're gonna keep food fresher. They're gonna throw away things sooner. 
why don't I just treat it like they're my refrigerator? Interesting. So you're, you're like, I'm paying this, pr- um, this premium is for fridge space. I, the amount of time I sat there waiting for the smallest amount of things to be sliced was astonishing. Because I would go and literally get a quarter pound of this or an eighth a pound of that. And I would bring it home and just have enough to make one sandwich. And then I might like that sandwich and be like, you know, I'd like that again tomorrow. And I'd go back and get the exact same. And they must have thought I was I was fucking with them. But they I probably was, thought you didn't have a fridge at home. Yeah, and it or you're like, like a homeless guy who had just enough money for a sandwich. <laughs> to just make it one more meal. And I was out there hustling. But um, but yeah, it was great. It was the best time. You know, I one of the one of the uh, highlights of for me, Cobra Kai. Uh, which thank you again for that gig. Thanks um, for coming. But one of the highlights is that we live in Atlanta when we film. A lot of food down there. And I, first of all, I have a huge problem with food on sets. Mm-hmm. Like my willpower when it comes to peanut M and M's is n- non-existent. We have every set I've been on has some version of this, but Cobra Kai has the never-ending carafe of peanut M and M's, and. Anything out of a carafe is just fun. I mean, you're like, oh, I like wine out of a carafe. I might as well like gummy bears and candy corn and peanut M&Ms. But yeah, you that, feel like a candy sommelier. Like, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Oh, and I went on a different set recently that had gumball machines for all the candy. And that was even more exciting. Oh, because then you can turn the you're, thing. It's, you're playing a game. You're yeah. like, I'm just having fun. And meanwhile, <laughs> by the end, by the time you walked to lunch, you've had four bags of you know, M&Ms without realizing it. Because yeah. there's no accountability no. when there's no wrapper. And then every time you walk by, if uh, so if you haven't been on a set, the way it works is that there is this craft services area that basically just has a bunch of like packaged foods and stuff like that. But then also like every three hours, they just make something. Yep. They're like, yeah, it's, it's slider day. <laughs> and like three hours later, like it's time for chili con carne. And you're like, and then and then it's lunch after that. And yeah. you're fucking stuffed to the gills the whole time. You occasionally have... Like I like to call it walking around food. If you're walking from one set to another or from you know the makeup trailer to the set, you might just find yourself at any given time with like a meatball hero in your hand and you'll be eating it and you won't really know when you got it or why you have it. And then you realize you just you either just ate or you're just about to eat a full meal that will also include something meat in it. It's it's just you have to be mindful of the food it's on set. So it's very easy to gained north of 15 pounds in a three-month shoot. Do you gain weight when you're shooting? The first time I was on set exclusively uh, for a movie, I gained something like 15 pounds in like maybe three months. Yeah. And it was New Orleans. So that was its own special Is this Hot Tub Time city. Machine 2? This was Hot Tub Time Machine 2 when yeah. I was there for the whole time. Where Hot Tub, I was in and out and I could like manage it more. Hot Tub 2 <sighs> was going all in in the summer in New Orleans Oof. where... It's an insane food city to begin with. Amazing food city. And then you're on set all day eating just globs of food. And then it's also a gazillion degrees. So all you want is beer to like a cold beer to put out, you know, the fire (laughs) that exists in your heart for, you know, for living in New Orleans in the summer. So you wake up one morning and your pants don't fit. And you're like, I wonder why. And then you see the meatball sub in your hand and you realize like what's been happening. I mean, I think... New Orleans to me has one of the most interesting food cultures in America because you have that kind of cross section of French yeah. and Cajun and like Southern. And I actually, I I used to hate Emeril Lagasse like with <laughs> such a passion. I lived next to Emeril's uh, on Chapatulis when I was there. Oh, really? Right, right next, oh, next to, to the restaurant. Right next to the restaurant, yeah. He has another restaurant though that I went to when I was in New Orleans called like Lola or something. Uh, it's like his high-end joint. Yes, yes. There was another restaurant there. I forget the name of it. It's like his right. high-end joint. It's like... I went there, it's so excited to hate it. Yeah. And it was like some of the most delicious food. It was like elevated Southern New Orleans food. And it blew my mind. And I was so angry that oh, I loved it so much. It's such a great food city in general, but the the overwhelming amount of sauces and etouffees and flavors and mm. fried things and oysters and shell, it's, it's a cacophony of food that even if you're there for a short period of time and then you go back anywhere else in the country, yeah. you're like, all this food is just so boring. Yeah. And, but then you realize that, no, that, that food is just like on crack. It's <laughs> it's like, I'll, I'll have a uh, turkey sandwich with Swiss. Great, uh, why don't you fry up that turkey sandwich and then dump the uh, the sauce yeah. all over it. And you want that Creole style with the drippings and the and the cracklings all over it. I'm like, I just, you just, you can't get a regular sandwich there. And, 
but it's great. And but that becomes your baseline, and then it's a uh, then you don't know where to go from there. Have you had a muffaletta? Oh yeah, I've had lots. Oh of my god, muffalettas yeah. are exactly what we're talking about. It's like taking an Italian sandwich, bringing it to New Orleans, and they just turn it into like it has this like soft olivey bread. I want to. Yep. Oh no, it has a soft bread. It's got olive. It's got an uh, olive tapenade thing going it. on, and then like. It's like a real fuck you to the pig. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like 50 slices of different parts of pig uh, and some cheese, and it's so delicious. There's a restaurant in New Orleans that was there that we ate at almost every day called Butcher, and it was the sandwich place that was started by the guys who run Cochon, which I think means pig. All I, I knew I was want, Butcher that's on my list. I Butcher was there. always... Because Cochon, you have to sit down, you have to have a whole meal, and like we were always getting offset, and if you want... You would just get a crazy sandwich. It would be pig-based something. They, you know, they had a Cuban sandwich. They had this. They had that. They had a muffaletta that was incredible. Yeah. And they had all these insane, like, hot pepper sauces that they made in-house. And everything was better than the next thing. So every time you walked in the door, you immediately had order envy and regret that you couldn't eat a bite of every sandwich they made. But, um, but yeah, that city was... Um, it's nuts. That city was insane. Po' boys, fried po oyster po' boys. Craig Robinson got me into the the half catfish, half shrimp po' boy, and Ooh. we he took me to this place called Mina's Palace, which is, is that like, like the uh, the Arnold Palmer of po' boys. <laughs> yeah, you get that. It's kind of like my desire to have a lot of different things at once. <laughs> yeah, and we would go to this place, Mina's Palace, in the French Quarter, which is a little bit of a a little bit of a hole in the wall, like sized place. Not you know the the quality was amazing. And we would have, we would start our day having gotten off set and eaten too much the day before and resolve ourselves to go exercise. And we would actually go through the motions of getting into our workout clothes and, you know, and buying sneakers and, and feeling like we were going to go do this. And inevitably, we would end up at Meanest Palace having a po' boy and red beans and rice and just enjoying it. <laughs> in your but workout clothes. In our workout clothes. So you'd feel like you kind of did something, but really you were just sweating because it was 100 degrees and you're right. eating a fried piece of uh, fish on a, on a ginormous piece of bread. That's amazing. I, I, I think at your birthday, I sat next to Craig Robinson and he was saying he was going to Paris and he's, but he's, I think he was vegan or vegan vegetarian. Now. I think he's a straight up vegan now, I believe. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I know. I knew uh, I ate most of my meals with Craig when neither one of us were vegan. And uh, and and there was fun. There was always there, there was just always fun. We we both have that thing where Why do you do it? What did what happened? Well, you, Is you, it health stuff? I or? think he just wanted to make a change like health-wise and I think it just it was one of those things that works. Like I'm always grasping at something like what's going to be the thing that, you know, that works for me to drop x amount of pounds and the last thing that you tried two years ago doesn't work anymore, so you try something else. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know that I could go straight vegan. Back to Atlanta, I think one of the, another, I try to stay healthy, especially when I'm on set, but like, I felt like very, especially when I was like getting food and like I'd, I would get, I would try to eat health. Like there's this awesome like fried chicken and, and beautiful southern it? food and I'm like, can I just get three celery stalks yes. and some peanut butter? These uh, these cauliflowers <laughs> are they steamed or was there anything applied with those? A butter spray was added to them. I feel like I feel like on sets in general, like not even regarding food, but I always think like the like the like the crew, like the blue collar guys. They must just look at the actors and be like, you guys are such fucking pussies. Oh, this well, is how you make money? Well, the, there's definitely, that's the fun thing about a crew is that there's literally every slice of life like coexisting. I mean, there are the the people who look like, you know, like rust, like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the actors, you know, on the, the other end of the, you know, the feeding spectrum. But there's, it's, it's really... It's like going to the wind buffet every day of your life for two meals. You're there, they have a breakfast and they have a lunch. Right. And uh, if you have a crazy schedule, you're eating dinner there too. But that's usually like when things have gone too long. But every day there's there's a choice laid out in front of you the moment you get there. Is this going to be the full-on breakfast burrito followed by you know 10 pounds of potatoes and this? Or am I going to have the uh, the yogurt parfait yeah. and ease into my day? But more it's often than so not, you're hard. not sleeping enough. I mean, running the show, we're not sleeping. We're you know you're on your feet you know from morning to night. There's always something that's like massively on fire somewhere yeah. that you're trying to put out, and all you want is carbs and sugar just to you know to get you to that next moment. It's carb, sugar, and caffeine. Yeah, I mean, so, this second season especially, it seemed like you guys were trying to 
do so much in such little time. We wrote a very ambitious show that, uh, you know, you always, for everything I've ever written, you always need or want more time, resources, everything to get there. And uh, this is for Cobra Kai. For Cobra Kai. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you'll just take uh, an extra dose of coffee and espresso to get you where you're going. Yeah. And also, I feel like. The other thing on sets is like once in a while they'll bring in like a food truck. Yeah. So like it's it's food truck time and the food truck is never healthy. It's the food like, truck's not only never healthy. Especially in the like, South. It's always like a barbecue food truck or well, like. Yeah. The, every now and then like either one of the actors or one of the directors or like one of the guys and I will will bring in a food truck to say thank you for the crew, you know, for for bearing with the crazy schedule or the or the weather or, you know, the the time, whatever it is. It's it's nice every couple of weeks to to have something extra. But it's kind of like you're at a never-ending birthday party with tons of cakes and cookies and pizzas and yeah. things, and then yeah. somebody comes in with, hey, great news, everybody. I brought crepes, and you're like, oh, thanks. I'm eating a cone of fries right now. And there was one day in particular toward the end of, uh, of this year's shoot where no one talked to each other about what was happening, and six cakes landed at the same time, there were like multiple birthdays and it was the end of the season and it was something else that was being celebrated. And it was almost like a sketch that like every time we got finished singing or clapping or marveling over a cake, another one walked through the door. And by the sixth one, it was just, I mean, it was, what are, yeah. you, what are you supposed to do? Like that, a bunch of cake is going to be thrown away. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you go home into Atlanta, which is one of my favorite food cities. Yep. And like, you got to go out to dinner in Atlanta. Ah, the weekends at least. I mean, it's, uh, that, that... I was going out every night when I was, when I was there, when I was working there, I was like, I think there was one, t there was one time I went down there and I think I was put up, uh, in in like a suburb that was close to where we were shooting and i was like guys i'm gonna get my own airbnb in the town and i need to be in the city <laughs> like i got one like right next to ponce market or something oh, ponce is great ponce is amazing so atlanta has these like two amazing they're like food halls yeah they're yeah. very cool food halls one is ponce market and one is Krog Krog street Krog, Krog street market i spent more time at ponce during season one and i spent all my time at Krog season two and they're both fantastic it's, it's the like food is amazing the best uh, ramen place and the best pizza place and the best ice cream place and the best beer place all coexisting in one little you know yeah. building yeah it's kind of like club med a little bit it's overwhelming and but it's also just a great option if you're like me and you were like, I don't know, I could kind of go for like ice you cream bang and ramen. Bang. Yeah. You want to do a bang bang? <laughs> a little of that, a little of that. <laughs> and uh, so I mean, that was a that was a very easy city to go to and and spend time in for a period of time. That's not your home base. It's always yeah. like, what am I going to eat? Am I going to like it? And Atlanta has so many options. You just want to return to places over and over again because yeah. they were good. And you'd have to be like, no, I need to go to somewhere else. Have you been to that place downtown in LA? Oh, the hot chicken place yeah. people talk about? I haven't. Um, Howlin' Rays, that's what it's called. Here's my thing. I don't like uh, a line. And and I don't like <sighs> an attitude with like, you have to go. Like, I want good food conveniently. Yeah. And I don't view those things as mutually exclusive from each other. Like, I don't like when a new restaurant opens up and, you know, you, you either can't get a reservation or you get attitude. At, uh, it's going to be 45 minutes for your, for your table. Why don't you go wait over there where there's no room at the bar? Like, I don't like that i don't like when shake shack opened in west hollywood and and there was a line around the corner yeah i don't like when people line up for sneakers even though you can't eat them i still <laughs> that, i i tie that into the uh, same thing really you tie that into the same thing you can eat sneakers but they're not good but <laughs> I, I don't like i like if you want something good i think you should be able to have it if you can afford it what and if, get to it i'm with you i hear you yes what about when it comes to like because uh, I agree with you. I have a tough time waiting online for a fucking chicken, a fried yeah. chicken, chicken sandwich. I'm like, That'll never happen. The only place. I'll eat at a gas station. Where I'll make that exception is ramen. If it's a ramen place that's amazing. No. Really? You lost me. Dude, you know what I do? I don't even care about ramen. That's how that's how crazy I am on the other end of the spectrum. Whoa. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. It's offensive. I've I've brought the war. You didn't realize this, but I came on this podcast <laughs> to ruin it. Um, no, I'm not a ramen guy. I've never have been. Literally really? never have been. I've had it a few times in my life, and I don't seek it out. And when it have comes you... to me, I make another choice. It's oh, my God. Not my not my thing. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. I know. Do you like pasta? 
Uh, yes, I like pasta very much. Okay, do you like soup? <laughs> no. You're not like a chicken soup type of guy? Uh, if I'm at a deli and my sandwich is taking too long, uh, and I think it might take too long because they spend too long making it, I'll order a uh, matzo ball soup, sure. Okay. Or if I'm sick. Yes, if I'm sick, I want yes. chicken soup. Yes. Have you ever been to Tsujita Annex on Sautel? Don't know what you just said, so I'm going to say no. Oh, my God. Dude. Okay. <laughs> Please let me take you there, and then we're, we'll do a follow-up. Okay. I mean, I'm not anti-ramen, by the way. I'm not like, oh, you people with your ramen. I, I am, my personal enjoyment of ramen has, I probably haven't had my eyes open to ramen. I'm willing to. Oh my God, I want to open I'm willing your to eyes. say that. I can show you a world. I, I, look, I like either way this goes. Either it goes in a way where I have to come here and make amends and apologize to the yeah. Japanese people, or I have, aha, I, I still don't like it. And I've wasted your time and mine. Yeah. Either way, I'm happy with it. I think, so there's this place, Sujita Annex, which, I think it's the best ramen I've ever had in my uh, a couple places in, in Tokyo that I thought were. I'm sounding very pretentious now. <laughs> Short of uh, this ramen house in Ginza in Tokyo, um, but it's so good, and the line is always like 45 minutes. You know what I'll do? Yeah, I will get an Uber. I'll get a Task Rabbit to stand in line. For no, Task Rabbit's expensive if you're gonna have them stand in line. All right. What? Because what, all you need to do is have them go and put your name on the thing. Oh, there you go. So I'll just get an Uber mm -hmm. from. <laughs> uh, from my place to the ramen place i'll call him i'll be like hey i'm not going to be in this uber just uh, take it go there get smart. out put my name down and and that's it you're gaming uber and turning him into a task rabbit oh yeah i use uber as task rabbit all the time that's smart can i have him put together some things in my house how do i <laughs> yeah. uh yeah arrange that i had i had I have one a ball table that needs some putting together i tried to get one to go to ikea and get me some shit that it didn't work out he was like lost he was like where are you i'm in aisle z12 i look like a table i'm gonna need you to <laughs> throw me on a uh... uh oh speaking of which have you ever uh eaten at ikea yes i do like eating at IKEA. very good food also very convenient Yes, and Easy cheap. To get your food. Yep, cheap as shit. I've eaten at Costco. I've eaten at IKEA. I have eaten at a gas station. I'm not above any level of food as long as it's still considered food and it hasn't been thrown away you yet. No, you say gas station like that's a bad thing. There is a gas station in Kansas City that has the best barbecue of anywhere I in Kansas it. City. There's a gas station uh, not too far from here on Santa Monica and Sepulveda that I ate at exclusively for lunch, out of convenience, for probably six months. Oh, and, you're a disgusting but, No, they person. had a full kitchen in you're there. You're a gross They're making person. burritos and sandwiches. It wasn't like out of the fridge. Was it like the hot dogs that are rolling on the fucking- It was like concerning the first time you crossed this place. The hot dog because, treadmill? Well, no, there's no hot dog treadmill. There actually there's a full little kitchen, but it's weird because it's like, Whatever the gas station is, I don't know if it's seventy six or Exxon. Like I don't know who's your sponsor. Like Shell. Okay, so it's yeah, Shell, it's Shell and uh, you, Shell. Shell Oil uh, is brought to you by Dan's <laughs> Fridge. Um, yeah. The but it's like whatever the gas station name is, and then below it, it's like and cafe, and it's like well, I'm not going to ever eat at that place because they're kind of one foot in both worlds, and neither world feels like it should coexist with each other. Like yeah, filling it's like up gas and cooking food right but then i went in one day because i was like fuck it like i'm i'm hungry and i'm i'm empty so i i filled my car and i filled my belly and we both left happy look at that um but yeah that should made, be their uh, sign their yeah, little ad fill your car and your belly decent club sandwich like i wouldn't go crazy i wouldn't order the ramen but i would say you the, got the uh, club sandwich club sandwich you're a with disgusting fries. human being yeah. oh yeah you're a gross person i've eaten sushi i'm surprised from, you don't uh, like ramen dude ramen is like made for gross people i might like ramen but maybe i've just never had the right ramen so this one is a super porky ramen um the one at, at sujita annex okay which brings me to my next topic yes but you know what this is pork uh, pork um, and the healed household. Yes, and the healed household. I, uh, so your that wife. Was the alternative name for Birdman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, your wife, Debbie. I love her to death. Mm -hmm. uh, she's one of my faves. And she is, uh, she's like kosher light. Kosher style. She's kosher style. Yeah, she grew up not eating any pork or any shellfish. Right. Um, she's not I, Jewish, which is really weird. <laughs> she is straight up Jewish, uh, which is how she lucked into this uh, dietary restriction of sorts. Right. Um, I feel like she accidentally like has had a bite of something here and there, but like has never really had the quintessential pork or shellfish experience. Now, I've had pork with you, and I know that you love pork. Love it. It's delicious. You really enjoy it. Love it. Um, pork is tacos, this... pork cheek. Has 
So tell me about the compromises that you'd have to make. You've had to make for this wonderful that, animal. Not that bad. Like there's no pork or shellfish that come that comes into the house, which is honestly fine because I'm a huge breakfast person, but I've never I never ever got into the habit of cooking bacon for myself at home. Right. Whereas like some of my friends just ah, I'm eating mostly bacon and occasionally I'll brush my teeth, but but seriously bacon. <laughs> they're Whereas, dead by now. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're 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 not with us anymore. Yeah, but it's but for me, I've always been more bready in my breakfasts, I'll always choose the bagel over the bacon and eggs. Yeah. And so like, I don't miss, I, I haven't, and I'm never going to like go to the, the hassle of like cooking a lobster or, you know, or shrimp at home on a, oh. on a regular basis enough to like miss it. Yeah. Um, so I honestly don't feel, uh, the effects of not having pork or shellfish in the house. And when Have we're out, Have you ever tried to convince her to get it, to, to eat it? I don't think I've ever like desired, oh, to eat it? Yes, yeah. yes. Occasionally I will say like, oh my God, this is amazing. You have to have it. And she makes me feel self-conscious about the moment because she is willing to try, but she wants to know like, is this the best representation of this shrimp cocktail that you think represents the best version <laughs> a shrimp cocktail could ever be? Because I'm going to eat it. And this is going to be what decides suddenly, if I ever want to taste this again. And then I'm like, I, I don't know, because I, it's been Suddenly sitting. she's fucking Gordon Ramsay judging. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I back off. And I'm just like, you know what? We'll come back another time and I'll make sure that. And then I, I've never found that moment where I'm like, I am 100% certain that you will eat this piece of whatever and decide that really? you want more of it. Because Could you get her to eat pork or just just for shellfish? I think she's more likely to try shellfish. I feel like that's going to be the gateway. What what? I don't I think had she has a kinda... desire for, for pork. I think she would know. I think she knows that she would like a bacon cheeseburger probably. Yeah. But she also likes a cheeseburger and she and the incremental value of doing that. And I feel like she's made her peace with that's not going to happen. Yeah. But I feel cool. like if I say you have to try this lobster because we're at the lobster and yeah. they do it the best here or something. The lobster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Know, at the lobster. If the lobster makes a tremendous lobster. I assume they better. <laughs> um, but I think that's the moment that I can say, you know what, with the drawn butter and it's perfect and it, everything about it. Yeah. Here's your bite, the bite for the ages and yeah. give it a shot. And I think that will happen, but I've, I've come to the precipice of, of being like, I'm certain this is the one that's going to be, what was the, the closest you ever came? I think uh, I think it was a shrimp cocktail somewhere that I was just, you know, I'd had a martini and I'm dipping the shrimp and I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I start backing off and I'm like, is it cold enough? Is the texture right? Is I wouldn't she gonna, do shrimp cocktails well, it's also cartilage-y. Yeah, yeah. I, I have this. So, I feel like I did talk her into a shrimp cocktail bite at one point and she got, and she ended up spitting it out because it was very cartilage-y and yeah. I didn't prepare her for that. That's on you. Yeah. That fault. is a bad first. Well, you know, I actually. So also, I, actually, I ruined a good piece of shrimp cocktail yeah. that I could have enjoyed. <laughs> I grew up kosher. Oh, all the way with the two plates and the Two everything? plates. Oh, wow. Two ovens? No, one oven. Okay. Two plates, one oven. Remember know. that porno? It's a terrible... <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, on, that's on YouTube Red. Um, I, I grew up kosher, and I, I remember the day that I had... The day that I had pork for the first time, my cousin uh, talked me into it, and I was hammered, and it was a bacon-wrapped date, which is a oh, wonderful yeah. first pork to have. That's perfect. The first shellfish that I had was with my buddy and his parents... They took us out to Chinatown. It was a raw giant clam, Yuck. which is the worst thing that you could have as your. You want to start with like calamari, yep. something fried. This is just like it literally is like the sea is just like hawking a loogie in your mouth. Ugh. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. Like, because I love oysters and like raw oysters and all that stuff now, but I couldn't imagine. I still have. That. A, I still have. Sort of an issue with raw clams. Raw clams yeah. are, are like clams, an advanced PhD level shell. Clams are aggressive, first yeah. of all. Like I got sick from clams when I was a kid. I was in New England at like a clam shack. And where are you going to have clams? That's a place to have them. And for some reason, they Yeah, it's like you have lobster lobsters. Yeah, you lobster, have clams at the clam shack. Clam. And they didn't agree with me that day. And to this day, I have a little bit of a complicated uh, issue with the idea of wanting clams. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like them in a pasta. I like the yeah. pasta with clams. Like put a whole bunch of them. Like I like when the shells step. are in the pasta. Yes. It makes me feel like a little treasure hunt. <laughs> like I'm, I'm eating and I'm like, yeah. oh, and I'll go in this little box and oh, I found a little bit. Yes. Something. I feel like Ariel like, and the Little Mermaid. Yes. I like mussels. In Philly, uh, where I went to college, we went to this place called Monks, which was like a Belgian. That's where you only eat the monks. Oh, you only eat monks. <laughs> the whole monk. You eat the monk's neck. Yeah. Um, neck. The, 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 the neck soft cheek of the, the monk's <laughs> knee. The uh, But we ate a lot of Mussels with like in like a stew pot with yes. like sausage and Belgian I love, ales. I love 
I have a very soft spot in my heart for like Belgian restaurants yeah. and for and for like New England like clam shacky oh, type places. Yeah. Like the lobster roll. I'm all about the, the lobster roll and like the clam chowder. <sighs> I love, love, yeah. love. It's the best. And by the way, your wife is uh, just like myself, Persian. Yes. Um, what was your take on Persian food the first time you gave it a shot? Because a lot of people don't know about Persian food. No. Nope. The best way to describe it, I think, is it's like Indian food, but substitute the spice with herbs. Yes. It's very it's, herbal. That's true. That's a great uh, description because I hadn't really thought about that connection between Indian food and Persian food. But you're right because it- A lot of stews on rice. A lot of stews on rice to the point that occasionally I'm just like, is it always stews on rice? Like very early on, I realized that it felt repetitive to me, I guess, early on that yeah. it was always, but but there were so many of them. Like yeah. there, there's an unlimited amount of stews, but it's still a lot of stews on rice. Like that's the thing you come back to. I, I my, my initial feeling about Persian food was I needed to learn to pace myself because going to a traditional Persian meal there are a lot of steps. There is the food that happens right away if you're at somebody's house. There's the gondi or the, you know. Yeah, the, gondi is like Persian, Persian matzo, matzo, matzo soup, balls. Or, yeah. Which actually, gondi is only a Persian Jewish thing. Oh, I didn't know That's that. That's not so. a Persian Muslim thing. Right. It's like, they're basically matzo balls, but it's made with like, with like ground, ground veal, veal? Is, is ground veal and cardamom and turmeric, but now I think they make it with chicken a lot but more. anywhere else, if I was presented with a dense chicken or veal-based thing, that would be my meal. But that's kind of like, uh, you haven't taken off your jacket yet, food. And then there's like salads and other things around. And then you sit down to this meal that you're unprepared for. Um, You know, when I was dating Debbie, I had a bunch of that. And then I invited, uh, and then when our parents met each other and we got engaged and everything, my parents came to Los Angeles. We all had uh, dinner at Debbie's parents' house. And I told my parents, I was like, you gotta pace yourself. There's gonna be a lot of food. And my advice to them was, every time you think you've just eaten dinner, you haven't even been served dinner yet. Like you're gonna <laughs> just have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but you have to know there's always gonna be something more coming. Yeah. But I took to it like a fish to water. I, I was all in on the, the the food. All of my extended family on on Debbie's side loves that I know the names of everything. Oh, yeah. I figured out all the Farsi for the food immediately. Yeah. Um, I didn't learn anything else, but I know how to ask for anything on the table. I th- I love Persian food. I think it's so great, and it's yeah. like very underrepresented. Uh, underrepresented. There's like, also interesting flavors that you don't see across other cultures. Like there's a lot of like old lemon. Um, oh yeah, it's called limu omani, which is like <laughs> yeah. they take a lime and they dry it out, and it's just like this this like black ball of yeah. lime. It looks like something went wrong with it. And it's such a funky flavor that it adds to the stews. But it's perfect. It adds uh, to hormasabzi. It adds to hormasabzi, like, uh, which is like this. Oh, oh my God, bite. you got the names. Oh, it adds a bite. But there's, yeah. uh, oh, Fessenjun. Oh, we can go all the way. The um, I know what I like. I know what I don't like. But I, but I, but Tadik, uh, we, we could talk Tadik. Tadik, I think, is the most accessible of the Persian foods. It's basically the bottom of the of the uh, rice when they're cooking rice in a in a big pot. It's the bottom of the rice. It literally means bottom of the rice uh, or bottom of the pot in Farsi. Yeah, and it's. I know other cultures do it. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, you go to like a Korean place and they'll have like right, some of the rice some of that, yeah. at the bottom. Even in Spain, the bottom of the paella is called socorat. None of them are even close to as good as fucking Taddy. I agree. And it's, and it's so good. And it's, it's so perfect with the with the stew. So yeah. some people have like the do you put the stew on top of the taddy or next to it? Like I like the on top. I like it the the stew to kind of soften it up a little bit and, yeah. and, and make it that perfect, crunchy, chewy. Yes. It's got a texture. good bite. I also like occasionally a potato taddy. Is that a thing that happens? Yes, uh, that's they slice the potatoes, put them on the bottom, oh. and then it's like it's, it's like hash browns baked into the taddy. Almost, but yes, yeah. it's amazing. It's and uh, it's funny. My brother has a theory that you can tell how much of an asshole someone is by how big of a piece of taddy they <laughs> yeah. take, because it's like a very coveted part of the of the dinner is the taddy. But it is it is a very opulent culture. Like yes. I think the biggest insult or the the most embarrassment that could come to a Persian family if, is that. If everyone finishes all the food yep. on, on the table. That means, yeah. And and it's trickled down to the next generation because any kid's birthday party I've ever thrown that I've catered, Debbie and I have refrigerators full of food left over. Yeah. Never once have we looked at each other and been like, we ordered the right amount of food. <laughs> no. It's always been like, if you bring everything from your parents' car to your office and I bring everything from my car to my office, we'll only have to throw away two barrels worth of food. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's a very wasteful culture. But... um. <laughs> But very fun in other ways. <laughs> we'll get back to Josh in a minute. But guys, 
I highly recommend adding some dried lime to your pantry. It's the stuff Josh and I were talking about in the Persian food segment called Limu Omani. Called that because the ingredients originated in Oman. They dry limes out in the sun, then pulverize them into powders, and the powder adds a super intense sour flavor to anything. The best part, Limu Omani is also nicknamed Black Lime, which happens to be the best porn star name ever. Okay, back to Josh. So, I have some rapid-fire questions I'm going to ask you here. Number one, your earliest food memory. Earliest food memory, um, there's a picture, and, I, and it's one of those things where you've looked at a picture of an early thing, and you think you remember being in it, um, and I do remember being in it, or do I? Maybe I've manufactured the memory, but at maybe my one-year-old birthday party, they put like a whole cake in front of you. Um, they put like a slice, a, a oversized slice of Carvel ice cream cake in front of me with the crunchies, oh, uh, and the, yes. I, the ice cream. Yeah. The chocolate and the vanilla and the thing. Was it and the whale? The whale? I don't think it was fudge the whale. I think, or it could have been, who knows? Um, it was probably like cookie puss or something. And, right. and, but I picked up the whole thing with a fork and the whole cake landed on my plastic 1970s bib. And I'm upset and I'm looking down at it and I have baby hands, so I can't really negotiate how to get it off the bib into my mouth. So that was like an upsetting uh, memory with food. Um, another one is when I was five, um, I went to Disney World with my parents and we were staying at the Polynesian Resort and they had a luau and there were fire dancers and everything and they were serving a whole pig and I was five and all I wanted was a hot dog. So my dad had to like leave the luau and go find a hot dog uh, for his son in 1983 um, at 10 o'clock at night, which was probably easy now, but at the time it seemed, even I was aware at the time being like, this is a tall order, <laughs> right. but also I'm hungry and I want a hot dog. And I had a hot dog and it was great. Do you remember the hot dog or the pig is the memory? I, I remember when the hot dog came back, it was in one of those like foil, like, you know, hot dog yeah. things. And I was so happy to see it. And I ate the hot dog and I was happy again. Man, and I could participate in whatever theater was happening with the luau. Seeing that, seeing a whole pig roast for the first time is a jarring experience. It's overwhelming. I remember it. I remember my first one too. Yeah, well, we used to like go visit a farm near us and we would see the pigs and they were alive and happy. Yeah. And then now I was like shown like a dead pig like <laughs> over a spit with a bunch of like, you know, men and women dancing around it with fire. And yeah. it, it was like a pagan festival of sorts is what it looked like. Yeah. And I, all I could think of was like, I don't like, I want a hot dog, which probably had some pig parts in it also for all I knew. Right. But, uh, but I got a hold of my baby book recently. And because, you know, I look at like, you know, what I'm feeding my children and I'm like, oh, I wonder what I was eating around the same age. And my mom was feeding me like big food early. Like there was like, today we gave Joshua like orange chicken uh, from uh, our favorite Chinese restaurant. And I was like five months old or four months. It was early. It was like my kids are eating out of the jar still. And I was I was having like, can I have the spicy mustard on the side? Um, I'm going to have to unpack this. Yeah. Number one. Amazing that you were eating those things at such a young age. Very early. Two, your mom had a food journal of the shit she was feeding you? My baby book is... What is a baby book? I don't even know what that is. Is uh, that like a white people thing? It, it, I don't know because we bought them for our kids and we've done a pretty bad job of filling them out so far. But it's kind of like milestones, like your first year. And like, oh, I got my first haircut, what day it was. And here's a picture you Sorry, insert I'm, here. I'm single. I'm going to die alone. But, yeah, I don't this know will these happen. Like, a lot of this is online now. It's like on the phone. I don't know. <laughs> check the app, kid. What, what year did you get your haircut? Oh, I don't know. I'll check the calendar. But, uh, oh but no, it's like a, it's like a, it's a, it has a picture of a baby on the front who's not me. So it's that weird so that it's like funny. another baby. I think it's because I had immigrant parents and they were like, they don't know about that no, sort of thing. fuck that. Debbie we, didn't have baby. They're book. like, you're, you're alive, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's your book. That's your book. <laughs> Congratulations. You're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I would say the uh, either the hot dog or the, uh, the, or, the or the entire piece of cake. Yeah. Um, what is your death row meal? Okay, you ready? Yeah. Because I thought about this. Okay. I'd like um, Eggo waffles toasted with and then smeared with creamy peanut butter, a good creamy peanut butter, um, and a really good strawberry jam, like with like the seeds where you could kind of still feel like the strawberry seeds. Do they have strawberry seeds? But I want like a, like a chunky strawberry jam. I want like eight of those. I want like eight Eggo waffles with peanut butter and jelly on them, a good peanut butter and jelly, and I want them toasted properly. I feel um, like that's such a cute order that they'd be like, we can't murder this guy. I'm about done. I want uh, a half a gallon of milk because the peanut butter is aggressive. Um, and then I also want a huge slice of chocolate layer cake, kind of like they make at the Palm, um, yeah. where it's like, it's like, it's too big for one person, but I would eat this whole thing. 
Um, and yeah, then then kill me, and then literally, I'm like happy because I'm I'm so resentful that I just ate all of that. But I'm but I'm ready. I think I would be ready to die. I'd be like, wow, yeah, I'm okay with it. I feel like if you got the electric chair, it would smell really good. <laughs> it would smell great. <laughs> it would be like a PBJ panini. Uh, but yeah, Mr. Rogers turned that on to me years ago. There was an episode of Mr. Rogers where. He was making waffles and he was like, what do you like putting on your waffle neighbor? And they, and they had like one of the kids who shows up on Mr. Rogers and they had like all these toppings out and he's like, you know, the kid's like, I'm going to put jelly on mine. And Mr. Rogers like, oh, that's so nice. You know, I'm going to put peanut butter on mine. And you know what? I'm going to put some jelly on mine also. And I literally remember watching that episode live and I found it recently because like Amazon has all the Mr. Rogers episodes now. And I showed this episode to my kids and I went into the kitchen and I told my dad or my mom i would like my waffles with peanut butter and jelly on them and that became a thing that i ate as like a fat kid in the 80s and it's followed me into adulthood like wow. that's my like secret shame food that like i want when nobody's looking is interesting waffles i don't with think PBJ. i've ever had waffles and I, now I, I serve it to my kids i make it for them and oh, they want it yeah look at that door yeah. <laughs> from generation to generation um okay uh what is the best high-end meal that you've ever had uh, I went to a restaurant in New York um, a couple years ago. It was actually the uh, while I was out there with uh, with my uh, writing partners, John and Hayden. We were uh, meeting Ralph Macchio for the first time. Uh, we didn't go with Ralph, but we went out to this restaurant called Gunter Sieger, uh, and he's a chef from yes. Germany. I want to say very very expensive restaurant. Very expensive. Uh, so it's his self named restaurant. It had a very very few tables. I feel like there were maybe. Four tables in the whole place. Yeah, is it tasting menu? Style? Uh, it was tasting menu. It was like ten courses. Or, How much? Or, uh, <laughs> we did the wine pairing, um, and I was unprepared. We went with an actor friend of ours who was a foodie, and he recommended it and went with us. And we just kind of followed along. We were like, "Oh, great, go to this address and go in." And as soon as I walked in the door, I was like, "Oh, we're not getting out of here for a small amount of money." You were like, "There's eight people here, and they pay the rent." <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're I was like, fucked. If they can afford to only have like twelve people dining in a restaurant in this part of Manhattan, there's like twenty feet between each table. That being said, we were drinking like 1987 Chateau Neuf de Pop, oh and, and like all this stuff that was like crazy wines, and the food looked too beautiful to eat. It was like that kind of place where. It was all like every little like thing yeah, on the plate was I like. I love it. Uh, I feel like it was more than four hundred dollars a person. It was wow. it was outrageous. Uh, it was one of those like, do I tell people like specifically my wife how much? <laughs> Wait, was this covered by YouTube? No, or no? no, there was no YouTube at the time. Oh, I think we were still like Red gathering Tube the army paid for that shit. Yep, yep. <laughs> Red Tube. Red Tube did offer to pay for it, but the uh, there was a lot of quid pro quo. Wait, who was the actor friend, or do you not want to say? It was Jason Biggs. Oh, okay. Who likes? Uh, he's a very big foodie, and Is he? Uh, yeah, it was and he had not been here, but he had heard good things, and it was nice. Uh, it was a nice meal. Interesting. I've never been there. Um, any worst uh, fine dining experience? Wor uh, the, the worst fine dining experience for me is all about the the service more than the food because I feel like my threshold for what I want out of a place is pretty low. I just want good food that tastes the way it's supposed to taste. I don't want my steak to be under or over salted. I don't want, you know, the the soup to be cold. But yeah. if I'm asked to wait, you know, more than 30 minutes for a reservation that I have or yeah. if there's other things about like I don't like when a seat is uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, which, nice. which takes me to the oh. next question. What are what are your restaurant pet peeves? Okay. I don't like not writing down the order. I don't like when a waiter or waitress is, uh, or server rather, is so uh, overconfident and uh, over, just just I, write it down because I don't care if it's gonna be right because it's not like it's right and haha they showed me. No, you've introduced a level of stress into my dinner or yeah. lunch or breakfast or wherever I am that I spent my whole time thinking about how this was gonna be fucked up and if it was gonna be fucked up. Just write it down so I know that I feel like there's a record of our conversation of what I asked for. So I don't have to worry about doing that. I don't like that. I don't like having tables too close to a prep station or a bathroom oh, yeah. or the I front hate, door. I hate that. It's like, have one less table. Like, don't put me on top of the guy, like, you know, keying in his order or like a bunch of glasses or a bunch. Like, I went to a place, a very nice restaurant in LA the other day that- uh, Name names. Th th Name fucking uh, names. No, this is a nice place I want to go back to. But, okay. But, but where they sat us, and it was a very small restaurant. Okay. But because of where we were, they literally had to reach- through where Debbie and I were sitting to like get extra silverware when they needed it for someone else. So I felt like I was sitting uh. in a drawer. <laughs> so I don't, I like space, but I also like chairs. And I read that restaurants 
will sometimes buy chairs based on they'll call it like a one hour chair or a two hour chair or or a three hour like no they want way. a certain chair. There's there it might be also a conspiracy theory, but I'm gonna yeah, say this, this is fact. Uh, did Alex Jones say this? <laughs> this 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 was on the last episode I, I, this, of Alex. Jones I don't know where this came from, but I I believe it because there's restaurants I go to that are trendy that like oh you have to call a month in advance on the certain time of day to get the reservation, and I get there and I'm sitting in like a piece of like really small patio furniture that was built for somebody half my size, and I think to myself they want me fucking out of here. They want me to eat my food quickly. And leave so that like someone half my size can come sit here and spend the same amount of time and 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 like I like I like I'm sitting right now in a chair that's very uncomfortable but it's big at least yeah um I, I just have proper chairs yeah like, uh, so that yeah I don't like I don't I don't like being uncomfortable I feel like they do that with the music when it's like crazy upbeat music they want you out of there fast I don't like that either I don't like noise I I just like I'm also wow. like, like I love this because I thought I was the only one who's like a fucking no, like I'm an old, old man. man when it comes to I'm this old stuff. man I don't want I don't want to see young people when I eat. I oh, want to okay. See, now, like, now, now you're taking it to another level. Well, I like going to, like, I used to love going to like Mastro's in uh, Beverly Hills sometimes oh, for like a good steak. Too much. But yeah, so I don't, I don't deal with it anymore. Uh, I, I go to Ocean Prime now, yes. which is like Mastro's. I like it a lot for, more. But they're like 80 years old there, which is great. And, yeah. and I'm like, I'm the young, you know, I'm bringing the youth into that place. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you can sit down when you have a reservation and you can eat good food and it's still a nice looking place. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know for, I feel like the attitude, some, some restaurants and restaurant tours feel like the attitude, like, you know, engenders like, uh, oh, they're going to talk about it. It's word of mouth. It's exclusivity. Yeah. All it tells me is I can't wait until your restaurant is over and you're on Groupon and our lifestyle, whatever thing, like uh, where you're, you're trying to like, lure people in here with a buy one, get one or $50 or 50% off your, because I won't come there then either. Right. Like I want to know that like, I want to feel like we're all in this neighborhood and we're eating and we're having good food. Yeah. Wow. Good. Yeah, I have a 900. I think that's cookies. why we eat well together because we fucking have such highs. I don't suffer fools. <laughs> um, what is your favorite drunk food? Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Same. Taco Bell. Dude, it's if perfect. I'm drunk, Taco Bell is like a three-star Michelin meal. Yeah, and it's the antidote. You know that no matter how much you've drank, you will be fine yeah. on the other side of Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. so good. It's the best. Once I fucked up real big, my brother and I were hammered. We go to, um, and I ordered a bunch of stuff off of Postmates off Taco for, from Taco <laughs> Bell. And I was so drunk, all I ordered was like, like vegetarian stuff oh god <laughs> you messed up it was like the least like we were so it's so hard to mess up a taco bell order. i don't know man i don't know why but it, it was like the least satisfying we went from so excited to so unsatisfied i used to that quickly. same street that i lived on where i was around the corner from the ralph's i was also up the street from the taco bell so i could walk to the taco bell I, could, I had a dive bar you had a good across thing, the street. You had a I could, good uh, St. Nick's was open. I would go from St. Nick's, drinking at St. Nick's, to the Taco Bell, to home, all within a block of each other. It was great. It you was had such a good thing. Shangri-La, Dan. Now you got a fucking fridge yeah. full of milk. Milk and all <laughs> sorts of Tupperwares. Um, I skipped one here. What is oh. your? Do you have a best low-end meal that you've ever had? Uh, best low-end meal, uh, just on an ongoing basis, just... I, you know, because I ate it when I was four months old. Like I like a spicy orange chicken mm. from any good Chinese restaurant. Yeah. In LA, I go to Fu's Palace uh, on Pico. There's oh, two, cool. I've never two Chinese restaurants that I believe are uh, have warring families. Is the the legend I was told? There's Twin Dragon and Fu's Palace, and I believe it's Saha. We'll show them, and we'll show them, and it's been going on for like 25, 30, 40 Those years. Are two great names for uh, a, two <laughs> warring <laughs> twins dragons. And it's great. And it's, uh, but it's like good East Coast style Chinese food. Yeah. Um, that's like kind of my like go-to. Like I also a crispy like, orange chicken? Uh, it doesn't have to be crispy. I just want it to be like all white meat, like good chicken yeah. that was cooked in good oil. And yeah. it's, it, that's kind of my like, give me that. I'm happy. Also the tuna sandwich or the hickory burger from Apple Pan. That's my like straight ahead good food. Do you know that uh, this, I, I hate to admit this. Mm -hmm. I've never... I've never. I've these are two things. I've yeah. never seen a Lion King, and I've never been to Apple Pan. Oh, you uh, ramen for Apple Pan uh, oh, combo? Hell yeah! We'll I would love that. to. But we got to go twice because you got to have the tuna. Okay. If you like tuna sandwiches, I do. I could. I think the they sandwich. make one of the best tuna sandwiches in town. And then their hickory burger is uh, out of this world for as far as like one of the best hamburgers I've ever had. Have you ever had the hamburger at Honor Bar? Yes, that's a very good one. I, I think, think I had that with you at one point. Maybe, maybe I, I think say. it yeah. might be one of my favorites. That's a great They use barbecue too. sauce, which I love. Yep. Um, okay, favorite, favorite hangover food? Uh, salt bagel with cream cheese and good coffee. Interesting. Maybe lox, not in the coffee. 
Wow, nothing uh, fried. Um, no. When I'm hungover, I want bread. I, I literally think of like, I need to throw a sponge after this feeling. Yeah. And salt. I want salt and bread. So give me like pastry, um, but even the sugar's too much. I Like really a salt bagel sums up my feeling. Um, yeah. Like every now and then, like you want the, I want the, the over medium egg on top of the Benedict, but then it's just so much because I don't want, I definitely never want like the bacon and like the grease. Yeah. Then I feel like that just adds to the problem. Yeah. Because now I'm now I have a stomach ache on top of <laughs> like just right. feeling feeling dizzy and uh, <laughs> nauseous. But I don't know for some reason the the bread just uh, does the trick for me. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. There's a place in uh, in Atlanta I found not for hangovers but for bagels um, called uh, Emerald City Bagels. Which have had great, uh, great bagels in uh, in Atlanta. I think I remember that name. Atlanta had good donuts too. I remember. Oh, great donut! Yeah, food is good there. The donut man. game there is is crazy. Um, great donut game. Um, who is your favorite celebrity chef? I have two thoughts on this. I would say my old school favorite celebrity chef is Wolfgang Puck. Yeah. Um, I just always like his attitude. Um, yeah. I've eaten at a couple of his restaurants when he's been there. Yeah, your he, birthday was at Spago. Yeah, it was at Spago. My wife, uh, fantastic. A surprise, not surprised, but a nice uh, birthday party for me. Um, you knew it was happening. It was a big party. It was, you know, it was 40. Um, but uh, so that was nice. But also, like, I just like, I've seen him, you know, do his food things on TV before. And I just like, he has like that just effortless, I've been doing this for, you know, I have my 10,000 hours. Like, yeah. When he, when he salts a fish, he really salts a fish. Like I like him being like, it's very easy to, you know, that's that's horrible impression. That's a very, he's got a what, weird German. It's like, like, that's yeah, very specific. That's a very easy, I can't do it either. But it's like, you know, he's, he'll tell you like, oh, how easy it is to make a whole Branzino and he'll do it in front of you and you'll be like, this is so easy. I should go out and get a whole Branzino. And then you realize how hard it is to actually follow through with that. You know, um, I, I never knew a lot about him and then I read read up on him because I, th I feel like he's got a lot of places that he's like got an empire now. Yeah. And you can kind of get lost in that, but he was one of the like innovators of California, of California cuisine. cuisine. Yeah, like so before anyone was eating well, he came over and he's like, you know, I can make this happen here. Yeah, there are things that we eat that you take for granted of that, that are technically California cuisine that were like on his menu, and he was like, let's try this. Yeah, um, I can't think of any of them, but um, I know <laughs> that they exist. There's also John Shook and Vinny uh, Dotolo, Dotolo. Yeah, um, I met those guys when they first came to LA before they had Animal. And they have Animal, they have John and Vinny's, they have uh, uh, the Son the of a Gun. One, Son of a Gun is amazing. Um, they they could just sniff it out and knew what they were doing. Um, and it's just great to see, you know, just like young chefs kind of, you know, take on that. I mean, when you go to Animal, they're butchering, you know, the thing right in the back. It's it's just nice to kind of, it feels very old school what they're leaning into with yeah. their, the way they approach food. You know, they also do the food for Delta first class now. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, they do. That's great. Good it's very know. good. Um, I should revisit that idea. That was just a way to, to say that I take first class. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I'm a silver medallion member myself, Dan. Silver medallion? Yep. Don't even fucking look in my eyes. <laughs> Hashtag platinum. God. Um, what Do you have a least favorite celebrity chef? Well, I think there's, look, there's the low-hanging fruit. You know, everyone goes after Guy Fieri. Um, yeah. But I will say I've never eaten his food. But what I do like about him is that he genuinely seems to enjoy food. Because I used to watch diners, drive-ins, and dives. And this man would taste like an onion ring and make a face or a noise that would make me go, honey, we're, we're going to Topeka next week. And there's, <laughs> there's a roadside stand. I, I don't know. Look at the face and the noise he just made. So I, I have to respect that he likes food. And, uh, I, I think like of, I haven't really eaten, uh, a lot of celebrity chefs food besides, I guess, Wolfgang Puck, but I did go to a Bobby Flay restaurant in Vegas that uh, was a little pedestrian for my taste. But, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I can't really judge that. But uh, based gonna, on that, we're gonna put some jalapenos yeah. in this. We're gonna put some habaneros. We're gonna put some chilies. Yeah. I don't have an, I don't Bobby have Flay. a disdain for any celebrity chef attitudes or personalities. I guess Mario Batali is not a great guy, but but I like uh, I like Moza. Right. Is that that's his? Uh, yeah, Moza. I mean, I, I guess it's more Nancy Silverton. Yeah, I like Nancy's like food. And an investor. Um. So yeah, I don't really have uh, any enemies in the celebrity chef world yeah. that I'm aware of yet. Um, but that Bobby Flay restaurant in Vegas, uh, in this diner's opinion, left a lot to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many stars did you give it on Yelp? I gave it two stars, and uh, I didn't like the service If or the I seats. could give it half a star. It was a one-hour chair, and I was a two-hour diner. <laughs> Josh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me this in my so office. This was so great. <laughs>
<laughs> no, yeah, we are in the Cobra Kai offices because they're busy uh, editing. No, I lord, I lord you here when you're all your equipment. And no, I, I really it. appreciate it. Uh, I, I, I love eating with you, and I love talking about food with you. This is literally like what we do when is, we're when we much. don't have the mics on, we and have I love done what we do at dinner without eating here. Yes, this is. Uh, it means we can carry on a conversation without yeah, between it's us. Weird. I didn't yeah. know that that was possible. <laughs> um, but yes, I look forward to taking you to to Gita Annex. I will take you to Apple Pan. Uh, thanks again, man. This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Steven. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. To see pictures of Josh Hield's fridge, information about the restaurants mentioned in the episode, and more, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at StandUpDan. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.